Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Burn, Nick, and with me today, we have a special guest. We have Greg Free. He is the president of Fuerte y Libre. Fuerte y Libre. Fuerte y Libre. For those of you who remember, I think it was the last episode that Trey Mack was on, um... He, uh, during the three cigars we smoked and enjoyed this week, he had a lot to say about Fuerte y Libre, and uh, so it just kind of seemed logical that we would uh, get the man himself on the show to talk about the company. So how you doing, Greg? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a little rough weather-wise in Virginia today, but uh, a good day for business. Well, there you go. It's just hot here in St. Louis today. <laughs> yeah, we're, se- we're 71 degrees. Okay. Well, that's on not... It's not yeah. bad, but like, uh, you know, it, it was ninety yesterday. Oh God, you know yeah. those those swings, man. That's what causes all these summertime colds and things like that. It's like when the weather can't make up its mind, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're we needed the rain. It hasn't rained really much in probably four weeks. Yeah, we haven't really had much rain at all either, to be honest. Um, it's just it's that way, feast or famine, I suppose. So because I think it was last July here in St. Louis, that we had a rainstorm that dumped so much rain. It was like a one-in-a-thousand-year rain or something like that. I mean, it was flooding neighborhoods, and you see cars rolling down the street and the floodwaters and stuff. I mean, it was crazy, but it popped up out of nowhere. So I don't know. I'll take I'll take nothing to that, you know? Yeah, that sounds biblical. Exactly. Uh, and the water spots in the bathroom, uh, the bathroom ceiling are still there, so my landlord needs to get on that. Anyway, so... Let's talk about Fuerte y Libre. All right. And before we get really deep into it, I asked you before the show started what cigar it was that Trey Mack had uh, been uh, raving about, and you told me it was this one, the uh, Sun Country. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yeah, I can tell you that um, it's not your granddaddy's Connecticut. Okay. It uh, looks like a mild cigar, but it is not. Um it's a solid medium, and it's a medium plus in the Corona, which I think is the size that you have. So when we originally released it, yeah, we released it in a Toro, which was a 52 by 6, and that's a solid medium. When I wanted to come out with a Corona um, and really just have a shorter cigar to smoke, you know, less time, um, I thought that that blend would work really well in a Corona. So uh, we tested it in a, in a couple different ring gauges, like a 42, a 43, a 44. Um, and the 44 is kind of where the blend spoke the loudest to me, but it's stronger than the Toro just by a little bit. So if you smoke the Toro and the Corona side by side, you're going to notice a little more, a little more meat in the smaller ring gauge, which is counter to the normal wrapper logic where a smaller ring gauge wrapper has more influence. In this case, it's a mild wrapper. So you would think it would pare it down, but the problem with that blend, which I don't think is a problem at all. It's actually a great thing about the blend is there's double Lajero in the core. And then there's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper leaf blended into the remaining Dominican filler. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So when you pair the size down, what you lose is, and we pared down the Lajero a little bit, but what you lose is the, the space for Dominican filler, which is inherently mild. So you've still got your San Andreas wrapper leaf in there. You've still got your double Lajero in there, which is really a misnomer. It's not quite double. Um so, it, but it's still a little bit stronger, and you know the factory wanted to pare it down to, to make it match up with the Toro. But I thought it was kind of a really cool thing for for consumers and retailers to be able to experience, you know, just the, what happens 
in that kind of a blend when you have a significant ring gauge change. Okay. Well, I look forward to firing it up, and so I'm going to go ahead and get my cigar prepped. And uh, it means it's time to cut the cigar, and the official cutting is brought to you by Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company. And, guys, it's summertime. He's got all kinds of great cigars in the humidor. And so if you don't want to sit outside underneath that 1,500-square-foot covered patio out front, you can always go in back and, uh, you know, chill out in the lounge and watch whatever uh, game's going on. Cardinals aren't really doing that great right now, so, you know, maybe maybe something else. It will be better on TV than that. But uh, all things being equal, you can always swing by Riverman Cigar Company and find some awesome cigars from a variety of different brands. And if you're not in the St. Louis area, but you still want to support a brick and mortar, Dan does do mail order. So you can just give him a call, place your order, and he'll get a box of cigars or singles or accessories or whatever it is you need shipped out to you right away. So that's Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, Missouri. And with that, it's time to go ahead and cut the cigar. Did I have Schmuckus? I did not. Okay. I've been driving today, Greg, and sometimes I, I have the Calibri um, SV. I don't know if, mm-hmm. you, you know, the straight cut and the V cut, you yes, know, combo. And, and what's nice about it is when you use it, and uh, I'll go ahead and do that now, um, and you clip it, it leaves the Schmuckus inside, the and then you can clear mm-hmm. it later. The problem comes when I'm driving around and I don't want all that going in my car everywhere. And then I get out of my car, and I forget that it's loaded and going <laughs> to nuke me afterwards. So, anyway, so why don't we go ahead and, well, you're smoking already. I'm going to go ahead and give this a cold draw here and uh, see what's what. And right off the bat, it's very earthy. Like, like yeah. it's, very, it's a very earthy cigar. And, you know, with it being a uh, Connecticut wrapper... Um, my right, Connecticut, yeah, Connecticut, yeah, yeah, shade wrapper. So, you know, right off the bat, um, my initial thought would have been okay, you know, I would be getting kind of a creamy, kind of a, a nutty kind of component to it. And, um, but man, the earthiness of that cigar really comes through like right away on the cold draw. Yeah, and you're going to get most of the filler anyway on your cold draw. You're getting a little bit of the taste of the Connecticut on your lips, but yeah. you know so that cold draw is going to be that Lajero and that Sandres wrapper leaf in the core. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to fire mine up. So, Greg, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? So, um, let's get the let's let's get to know Greg here, and then from there, how did you end up? Uh, at, you know, I. With Fuerte Libre, I mean, did you? I assume you founded Fuerte Libre. Yes, I did. All right. Well, then let's. This is a story. I want to get into this. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll start at the end and say I thought you know what can I do to follow my passion and not make any money for four years. I, I, <laughs> okay, I a hundred percent relate to that. Owning a newspaper. Yeah. Nobody told me when I started a newspaper that I had to also agree to a vow of poverty. That was not something that was ever explained to me. Um, mm-hmm. granted I should have known because, you know, let's be real. The other businesses opportunities that I had available to me was gaslight repair and horse and buggy rental, you know, the other top industries of 1899, but newspapers seemed like a good thing, but no, I a hundred percent, you know, get where you're coming from. Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll try to compress the story as much as I can, but, uh, I grew up on a farm, uh, my dad was a horse trader. He bought and sold horses for 30 years and not fancy racehorses, but rodeo horses and trail horses. 
Uh, so I grew up on a horse farm, but we also raised all of our food. So we had pigs and chickens and goats and uh, sheep and horses and cows. I mean, we had everything. And then I worked on a dairy farm across the street. Uh, so my, my day back then was, you know, get up at 2.30 a.m., walk to the dairy farms a half an hour away, milk cows for an hour and a half to two hours, depending on how many were in the herd at that time, come back to my farm, let the horses out, muck the stalls, get on the school bus, go to school, come back to the dairy farm where the bus would drop me off, milk the cows again, then go back and do the farm work. So, you know, typical farm boy existence where when school was in session, it was a 16 hour day, you know, and, th and that was allowing an hour and a half to study or do homework to make it 16 hours. And then you go to sleep and you wake back up and you do the same thing again. The weekends were a little bit freer and the summer was a lot better, but Growing up on a farm with a bunch of horses, my dad would buy 15 to 20 horses a week at an auction house that was near us. This is in Thurmont, Maryland was the auction house. Our farm was in Liberty Town, Maryland, a really small town back then. Um, and he also had a business called Marriage in a Carriage where he took people to weddings. You mentioned a carriage. and My God. <laughs> yeah, he took people to weddings in a horse and buggy. So, you know, I was a typical farm boy. I rode in the local rodeo, which is where you'll get kind of the bull theme coming from. Um, I, I started off doing barrel racing and then calf roping and team roping and then worked my way to Bronco ride and did that for a couple of years. All of the, all of the buckle bunnies is what we called them back then. We still call them that now. It's not politically correct, but in the rodeo world, it's still a buckle bunny. So the okay. girls that were following the rodeo riders, I was 17 <laughs> and, and, and all the, all the, the really cute ones that I wanted to go out with wanted to follow the bull rider. So I'm like, yeah, I'll ride a bull. It, I, I was a big guy. I'm 6'3", and, you know, I was very muscular back then. Uh, when you're 57, it's a little hard to do that. But back then, you know, bailing hay and mucking stalls, you know, I was a fit kid, and I knew I could ride a bull because they're slower, and I had long legs and bigger. Uh, so I rode eight bulls, two different rodeos, four bulls in each one. I, I In each rodeo, I rode one of them to eight seconds. But it's a different experience than the Bronco riding because the Broncos, when they throw you off or you get off on your own volition – they run away from you, whereas a bull turns around and tries to kill you. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so so after eight bulls, I was done. Yeah. But that's that's kind of where the bull theme comes from. So I went to college for horticulture. I knew I was going to be a farmer. I wound up needing health insurance, went to work at a local grocery store chain, got in their management training program, made store manager after 10 years, and then I had a kid. So I went into, I put my resume, I didn't want to work weekends anymore, went into government contracting for, I'm in the DC area now. Okay. So government contracting is where everybody makes their money. And, and I did recruiting. So hiring people for government jobs, uh, did that for 25 years and then went full time with this company two years ago in March. And so we got our first cigars in the country four years ago in, in May. So it's our four year anniversary in May, but I wound up working two years longer in my full-time job because COVID hit in the middle of that. And it yeah. was just a, so our growth pattern has been a little bit slower than your typical four-year growth pattern, but we're actually ahead of where we thought we would be in terms of our business plan. We're, we're almost profitable. So we're like really, <laughs> it's knocking at the door. So, so it was kind of full circle, started on the farm, got all the way back to now. So 50 years later, and now I'm actually farming tobacco in the Dominican Republic. So it's just this great, you just never know where life is going to take you, where the paths are going to lead. Uh, but it was ultimately my passion for cigars. Uh, I knew a whole lot about smoking cigars. I still only know about 40% of what I think I need to know to be a brand owner. But it's a very cordial industry. Uh, you know, 95% of the people in this business are 
willing to help you. They'll answer any question you have. Uh, my problem in the very beginning was I didn't know what questions to ask, and yeah. they didn't know what they, they didn't know what I didn't know. So I'm probably known as the guy that questions everybody he sees, <laughs> just because I'm constantly just trying to figure out to fill in the gaps, you know. Yeah. Uh, and when we go to the DR, we visit a different factory other than ours every time we're there, just to see like how are they doing things? How how could we improve our process? How could we make it a little bit better? Again, just my dad is I guess inspired me to never assume I knew everything. Okay. And so I'm constantly asking questions. So I think that's the that's the Greg story. Farm boy at heart, had to wear a suit for 30 years and didn't like it. And now now I'm back to, you know, polo shirts and picking tobacco. You know, you and Husto have a lot in common, it sounds like. Uh, mm-hmm. over there at Aladino. Um because he did the uh, corporate thing, and then now he's back doing the farming with uh, Julio and doing Aladino. Yeah. So yeah, oh, there you go. So we have we have synergy. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm in the Aladino uh, podcast now. So I figured I'd light up an Aladino to start. <laughs> and this is this is my favorite Aladino. It's really a hearty, hearty cigar. The Corojo Reserva, yeah, yeah, the Corojo Reserva. It's a little tiny thing, but man, it'll it'll beat you up. It will. It will indeed. So I, I have I have a, a couple different paths that I want to go down here. Um, so regarding like rodeo, I I learned a few little things in the last year because there was a gentleman uh, that's been coming into uh, Riverman Cigars out in uh, Crestwood that I did the the cut for, and he is the uh, largest cattle breeder in Missouri. Um, but he also works at, on a railroad, and, and he takes the train in, and he has to be off the train for so long, you know, by regulations and everything, kind of resting and all that. And so what he'll do is he'll just come to Riverman and sit there in the lounge and smoke cigars for a good number of hours, go to the hotel, get some sleep, and then get back on the train. And so he's talked about his uh, his rodeo, you know, stuff, because he... Uh, He's involved with, he has a lot of bulls and whatnot in the rodeos, and he's starting to get into the horses. Um, but I didn't realize that the, the animals make money as well as the riders. Yeah, it's a lot like the, uh, the singer-songwriter business. It's the songwriters that make more money than the singers. So, so that's why the most successful or the richest musicians are the ones that write their own songs. You know, So you've yeah. got the classic old country stars that wrote all their own songs, they wound up with a hell of a lot more money. And same thing in rodeo. You know, my, when we were buying and selling rodeo horses and I was riding in the rodeo on our horses, we could actually make money by letting other people ride our horses. So yeah, there's a lot of money to be made. And even in the bull business, I mean, those bulls, making a lot of money for the owners well yeah i mean not only just in the rodeo business but then you know um so a funny story also attached to that specific cigar shop uh there's a gentleman um who i will i will leave nameless but uh he got into a business of selling bull semen and he was very successful at it for a hot minute um the problem is he didn't understand that you had to keep it cold He didn't, well, yeah, exactly. But he didn't understand he had to keep it cold. He figured it's warm in the bull. It comes out warm. Why do you have to refrigerate it, you know, and keep it at a certain time? So he's selling this bull semen at, you know, room temperature or whatever. And, uh, you know, obviously it didn't work. And so everybody that he he sold it to sued the hell out of him. And he lost a lot of money. And to the day he died, 
he never understood why bull semen had to be cold. Yeah, so we, um, I mean, we froze ours in liquid nitrogen. Okay. Uh, and it was kept in vials and liquid nitrogen. So I didn't, uh, I didn't do a lot on that side of the business. But when I was young, probably for the it, best. <laughs> yeah. When I was young, though, it was the kid with the longest, skinniest arms that actually did the artificial insemination. So you put on a, a plastic sleeve all the way up to your shoulder, and you've got dexterous fingers, and you stick your whole arm up inside of a cow with a tube that's got the syringe on the outside and then you feel around to where you want to deposit the semen and then you press the plunger and then you come out so i was really good at that i was, <laughs> I was damn near an expert at inseminating cows there you go all right yeah. um see we're, a little personal story. we are learning stuff about greg here today now before we get into um more about the cigars i do want to point out the uh sun country here um, the, the, the actual smoking experience, like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's not a light cigar. It is, it's, it's, you're right. A medium so far, just in the very beginning here, it's got some good body to it, but I did do a retro hail and I want it for the record for all of my listeners that I did not hack up a lung, but I was damn close because the retro hail on this thing has a kick. <laughs> like yeah, it's got a little bit, little bit of meat in there. That's where the spice on this thing comes into play is on the retro mm-hmm. hail. Yeah. And you'll get a, uh, that cigar is relatively consistent once you get past the first inch. So that first inch, I pick up a lot of that Connecticut grassiness. Mm-hmm. Really, really just the first half inch, but there's also a little bit of pepper in that wrapper. So we, we use that same wrapper on the avalanche, which is our supposed mild cigar. Um, and that cigar has a little bit of pepper through the whole thing because the core doesn't hide it. Okay. Uh, this one, the peppers in the wrapper. So you'll get a little more pepper in the beginning. Uh, it'll, but it'll get meatier in the middle because you'll, the wrapper will have less influence. So you really start experiencing the San Andreas wrapper that's in the core and then the Lajero that's in there giving you some nice flavor. All right. So, um, now getting to the cigar side of things. You said you've been going at it for four years, so if I do my math right, you guys launched right around COVID then. Yeah, and right I know, before. and I know you said that that kind of like messed with your your you know kind of business track a little bit, you know. Um, but I mean, how difficult was that? Like, when, when in twenty did you launch in 2020? 2019, twenty twenty? Twenty nineteen, May twenty nineteen. Okay, so you were at it for. Nine months, no, 10 months. I would say about 10 months right before the world decided to shut down. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're 10 months in on this thing. You've invested time. You've invested money. What are you thinking when that goes down? Well, I mean, I was very fortunate that I had a full-time job at that time. Well, if yeah. I had, yeah, because when shops shut down, they went to curbside service. No one's going to call the shop and say, get me some of those Fuerte Libre cigars. I've heard about them because no one had heard about them. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't get in new shops. I couldn't visit customers. So I kept that full-time job, which is uh, in the end that it was great because this business has cost more money than I thought it would. You know, I had set aside a nest egg to start this company, uh, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of investment that occurs that if you've never done it before, you're just not thinking about it. I don't know who said it. I It's been attributed to a couple different people, but I've, I've heard it a bunch of different places which is that if you want to make a million dollars in the cigar industry start with two yeah 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 it's 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 expensive you know and it would be i mean i had planned to not make money 
for five years, but I hadn't planned to keep investing money for the first three years. Yeah. So we haven't had to invest any money in the last 19 months. You know, cash flow has been covering my travel. It's been covering uh, my trademark lawsuit that I was in the middle of for eight months. It's been oh, covering. No. All, yeah, <laughs> it's been covering. It's been covering all those expenses. But if I didn't have if I didn't have some of those unexpected expenses, I probably would be profitable at this point. OK. Or at least or at least paying back the loans that I made to the corporation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I recouping your initial investments. I got you. Mm -hmm. um, so then. OK, let's talk about then the growth then. So. COVID happens, you know, you, you kind of have to adjust on the fly. And um, what, how have you, how have you gotten the word out about Forte Libre? How have you um, uh, found retailers when you're talking to retailers, you know, and, and that sort of thing? How many stores have you, have you gotten into? So we're in 80 stores today. Okay. We'll be at PCA. It'll be our first big convention or conference. I expect to pick up 15 to 20 stores. Um, and I've heard from talking to other people that started companies that it's or cigar companies specifically, that it's about the hundred store mark where profitability starts to become a thing. And also brand awareness becomes a thing. Yeah. So, um, and I made some missteps. Honestly, I thought if I sent, uh, you know, a, someone a sampler that I, and I'd never been to their store, that I could call them in two weeks. If they liked them, they'd buy cigars. It turns out that this is much more of a relationship business than I thought. Hundred percent. Even though I got into smoking cigars because of the relationships, I didn't understand that connection. So, shops hold all the power, but they also hold all the value for a new brand like my own. So, you know, I count on the brick and mortars taking a chance on me in the beginning, and even now, still, you know, because eighty stores, we're still not, we're not a big guy. You know, we're a little boutique brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, I. I, it takes people with a vision and a love for boutiques to take a chance on someone like me. And especially when you're brand new, they're like, they probably talk to a lot of people that have a brand for a year and a half, you know, because a lot of people get into it and they think, you know, I'm going to do this forever. And, uh, and they, it just doesn't work out for them for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think shops get a little gun shy about the new, new guys. Um, and I was talking to someone the other day who said that it's interesting, you know, when you get to the four year mark, You've got customers saying, oh, have you ever tried this new brand, Fuerte Libre? But it turns out Fuerte Libre has been around for four years. So so now the vision in the in the uh, consumer side is that I'm brand new. But I'm now but it's because finally I'm starting to get that recognition. Yeah. Well, um, Dave Garofalo, who owns two guys uh, smoke shop up in uh, New Hampshire, he mm -hmm. um, he he always says that it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> you know, if you're if if you're getting people talking about you at four, that's that's really great. So um, yeah, it's nice. So then, what? Okay, breaking in, doing all this. What have been the um the best and surprising things that you've encountered with this industry? But also, what have been some of the like bigger challenges that you've uh, had to overcome? The the surprising the good, thing, the good and the bad. Yeah. So the surprising thing is, is how cordial the industry is overall. Um, and I can, I can reference a couple people specifically, uh, Sam Lachia with, uh, Lachia tobacco who started the nub with Oliva was answered any questions I had in the very beginning. And I've, I've known him, we're not friends, but I've known him for probably 12 years. I met him at an event in 2010. So I guess 13 years. 
Um, Omar DeFrias, who owns Fratello, is a Virginia-based company, so I could ask him anything and he would give me the answers. Um, I sat down with uh, Eric Espinosa at an event, and this is a great example of how this industry is, because he's just, he's the epitome of uh, being cordial. He was doing a uh, an event-exclusive release at Fine Ash in Phoenix, and I went there to meet a bunch of people that I knew from a, a Facebook group. And they were there doing a big curve. So I, I I went there. He was releasing a cigar. He sat down at my table, didn't know who I was. I knew who he was, of course. I'm a little starstruck, like a giddy little teenager talking to Eric Espinosa. <laughs> thinking, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And uh, and I, I went to pull a cigar out of my, my travel hearth. And uh, he said, what are you smoking? I go, it's my cigar. And he said, well, no shit. You just pull it out of your box. And I said, no, it's my, I own a brand. And he goes, really? He goes, he goes, you know, what can I help you with? You know, I want to give you my number. I want to do anything I can do. So I, I said, well, if you'd smoke two of my cigars and let me know what you think, that would be the biggest help in the world. So he smoked the Sun Country first and he smoked it at his release event while he's selling his cigars. So that tells you a little bit about this industry and how people are. Yeah. But but he answered questions and not just him, but other people too, all the way down to dollars and cents. What are you paying for your tobacco by the pound? What are you paying per stick for rolling? What are your box prices? And and he would freely give that information as well and let me know where I might be a little off. So, and that that's just how the industry is. That's you know, super got, helpful information. And you would think that that would be very proprietary and they'd be keeping would, it under their hat. You would think, right? Yeah. But I've had multiple brand owners uh, have that conversation about stick price, what factory you're in, what you're paying for tobacco, um, where you're getting it from, you know, who you're dealing with in Ecuador, all of those things that in most, and I was in government contracting for a long time, working for real big companies and that's stuff that you never share. Yeah. But, but in this industry you do. So that's, that's the positive thing. Uh, there's two negative things in this industry. One is the federal government. Um, and it's not that they have, it's not the rules that they have. It's the fact that their rules are ever changing. The, and the threat of exactly the the constant exactly. sort of Damocles over the head. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the other issue with my trademark. So it's it's kind of that was unexpected. Um, I didn't think that that was going to happen. I spent eight months. My name was important to me. I got a a very expensive lesson in trademark law. Mm. And now that has been settled, I am going to have to change my brand name, which I'll be doing in the next couple of weeks here. So that was. Uh, that was a negative, you know, having to go through that process. I mean, in the end, business is business. I don't hold any ill will towards, uh, it was Fuente that opposed my trademark. Okay. I don't hold any ill will against Carlito and I look forward to meeting him at PC. I've never met him. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, we, he, he gave me an amicable settlement. I mean, I understand his logic, not wanting my name to be Fuerte, uh, but he gave me five years to transition to a new name. So I don't have to throw out any product. I don't have to, you know, pull stuff off the shelves. Uh, ultimately he provided some compensation to help me re-trademark the new name. So in the end, it was a good settlement, but I spent a whole lot of money on attorneys that in hindsight, yeah, I, I didn't realize how much it was going to cost to take it to the end. And I think I could have won. I think I had a really good case, but yeah. I didn't have the, the gut to go through another six or eight months of fighting and the three thousand dollars a month in attorney's fees and nobody wins that stuff except attorneys ultimately oh, yeah. yeah 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 so um 
I don't know if this is a question you're prepared to answer, and you can freely tell me not at this time. But so you're currently Fuerte y Libre. What's the brand people should be looking for going forward? Like you know, like just so that people can prepare, you know, kind of kind of prep the prep the waters a little bit. So I've got I've got three names, and, I, and I'll. I'll freely speak about it. I mean, the industry is pretty cool. I don't think anyone's going to you know, watch this show and be like, oh, my God, we're going to oppose that right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and my my lawyers are looking at those names very closely to see if there's any potential conflict. Oh, so the, you haven't technically like decided on one at this moment. I, I have one that I prefer. So the name I would prefer is Libre Cigars. OK, so my last name is free and Libre means free. OK. Um, so Libre Cigars, because Fuerte Libre and Libre is in there, um, that's the one that rings the most true to, you know, my journey. Um, and then the other ones are FYL Cigars. I already own that website. You know, that's my email address, FYL Cigars. Uh, so that's a possibility. And then there's another one that's uh, changing the word Fuerte to Firme. And Firme is also strong and firm. Uh, unfortunately, in some dialects, it also means signature. Okay. But... Um, and it's also hard to pronounce. So I like the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, was, I was just going to, you know, free, unsolicited, you know, take it as you want advice. I find that uh, the things that are the easiest to say are the ones that are most repeated. And so Libre or uh, the FYL, you know, um, but I like Libre. I, I like I, I like that. You know, you could just shorten it down and kind of go from there. Yeah. And still keep it. So, I mean, there are a couple brands that use Libre in some lines, um, but they use it in combination with other words. So I'm hopeful that we can head that direction. I think I'm gonna, just going to reach out to those couple companies and see what their thoughts are rather than file for the trademark, have them have to pay lawyers to oppose it. Yeah, It's a very cordial industry. And honestly, I think just having the dialogue up front. I wish I had thought that there would have been a problem with Fuente, but I, it honestly never occurred to me, or I probably would have reached out to Carlito. I actually know his personal attorney very well. He's a close friend of mine, <laughs> but I never thought it was going to be a problem. So I never went that direction. I just, we, I had created the name in English first, strong and free, you know, it kind of speaks to the strength and freedom of America. So yeah. I created it in English first, and then I translated it to Spanish to pay homage to the culture. And that's what got me in trouble. Okay. I, I don't want to ask too many questions because I don't want to like you know uh, dwell on this for you or anything. But uh, my my curiosity, uh, I'll ask you afterwards. I'll I, I have, I have yeah, you, okay. You, well, can, you can ask me now. It's it's settled so, and, and like like I said, no ill will. I'm happy to answer questions. Is it just the fact that Fuerte sounds like Fuente? It, it, was it just too similar, or so? That's so that's the opposition. So there's six reasons you can oppose a trademark. And one of them is the potential for consumer confusion. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's a little bit multifold. And again, I haven't talked to Carlito. It's always lawyer. Once the lawyers are involved, like I just didn't feel like we should go outside the box there. It never works um, out. Yeah. But part of it is and, you know, and this is, again, giving him credit for and his lawyers credit for understanding the potential conflict is that the R and the N look very similar. Okay. So if you think about looking at my name, Fuerte, the only difference is my R and his name is an N, and an R and an N do look kind of similar. And he's he's starting to market 
just the Fuente name a little more, like a lot of their swag that they're releasing now, it just has Fuente across the front. Okay. So, so having my word Fuerte at the top of my logo and being prominent the way it was, you know, I, I think he did have, he had a logical path to follow to try to protect that and what it looked like. Yeah. Um, there are other companies that use Fuerte that he also opposed and, and he's, uh, come to agreements with them to allow them to continue to use it unless it looks like it becomes a problem in the future. For me though, it was a brand name. So I couldn't go with a deal that said, you can keep using it until we say you can't use it because I don't want to create this brand recognition and then have to give up on it. So yeah. I, I also had a logical reason to try to, to try to go forward. Um, and in the end it, you know, I had to make a decision and, you know, with Carlito and his attorneys, working on a settlement agreement, we came to something that kind of worked with both of us. So okay. it's over. It's been eight months of eight months of heartache. And now uh, now we can both move forward and I'll shake his hand and you know look forward to working with him in the future. There you go. Well, good. I'm glad it all came to a, uh, a reasonable conclusion there for you. So let's get into the line here. And um, you you enclosed in the uh, sampler that you sent some really, you know, really nice cards. You have the uh, uh, the tasting card, which details, you know, kind of, uh, you know, some of the uh, different tasting notes that people get in cigars and that sort of thing. And a nice little, uh, uh, you know, uh, review card kind of on the back of that where you can kind of uh, detail your thoughts and your notes and everything about the cigar that you're smoking. And then the other card that you have here is your lineup, which is a double-sided card here and it details all the different cigars in your lineup but i'll let you go through those so tell us about your your lineup so i, I guess the overall view i'll give you is that all of the cigar names are inspired by famous rodeo bulls uh the most famous bull you know when i was in the rodeo was bodacious and you know he killed a guy so the very first line of bodacious wow. yeah smashed his face and crushed his face oh my gosh yeah. Certainly a sad story, but you know it. It, uh, it was the most important bull name, and and I hadn't planned on naming all of my cigars or you know having their names inspired by these famous bulls. But I named the first one Bodacious, and then we just kind of started a process how we would pick rodeo bull names that seemed to make sense for those blends. So I didn't uh, I, I didn't do anything with the blending on the first two. I didn't even have any ideas. I mean, I was just a smoker. Yeah. I knew what I liked. Uh, I let the factory that we're using, which has never had an American brand, um, we're their first one. I let them give me some samples to test, and I told them cigars that I liked, you know. And so they created some blends. I have a tasting crew of twelve guys, that eleven guys and me that that tested those blends and ultimately selected one. And that first line, I wanted to have some shelf presence, so we did two different wrappers: an Ecuadorian Habano and Ecuadorian Maduro. And then in the core, it's just straight Dominican. Uh, Dominican filler and binder. So those cigars are solid medium. There's three different Vitolos, two wrappers, so six facings. And we did the same thing with the second line. Uh, only on the darker side, we, we picked a San Andres wrapper and we still kept that Habano wrapper on the lighter side. The difference in the second line, the Bushwhacker, is that the tobaccos age longer. So it's kind of a smoother, richer profile, especially on the Habano wrapper side. The San Andres kind of hides that. Uh, but on the Habano side, you notice the difference between the two Habanos and the Bodacious and the Bushwhacker line. So those two are solid medium cigars with the San Andres wrapper, maybe a medium plus in the in the Bushwhacker. Okay. Uh, the third line that we came out with was Midnight Bender. Um, uh, two great stories with Midnight Bender and Sun Country. Uh, when I was discussing that blend of the Midnight Bender, I'm putting double the hero in there. Uh, they told me it would be too strong and nobody would smoke it. 
Uh, they also said a few choice words about me in Spanish, but uh, <laughs> I understand more Spanish than I speak. So I knew when they were calling me an idiot and mm-hmm. said I would be in business in six months. Uh, but I also knew the American market and I knew I like strong cigars. And yes. and that and that Midnight Bender is not a full bodied cigar. It's a medium full at best. It, there's no harshness to it. There's a great retro. There's no burn. It's a great cigar. So I went through that process with him on that. Now And then the Sun Country was the next line. And I'm I'm sitting at lunch describing what I'd like to do because we've been testing tobacco all day. And I'm like, I want to take this Lajero, I want to put double Lajero. And we had bought a bunch of San Andreas wrapper leaf, but you can't use it all for wrappers. A lot of people will use it in binders, but it's, it doesn't burn very well. So I was like, what do we use the blemished San Andreas leaves for? And I wanted to put it in the filler to give me some meat under a Connecticut wrapper. I wanted a Connecticut wrapper in the lineup, but I didn't want to go true mild because I just can't smoke them. So I was describing the blend to them uh, they had a sidebar and we're at lunch at Camp David, which is this great uh, restaurant kind of resort that overlooks the whole city of Santiago. And after I described it to them, they had a little sidebar and they said all the same things. You know, I'm an idiot. He's going to be out of business. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but they added that it was blasphemous to put a full body core in a mild wrapper because, again, typical Dominican factory where, you know, their cigars are very Dominican. They're very mild and it's just it's not what you would do. Yeah. You know, mild wrapper means mild cigar. So, so they added that to it. And at the end, I, you know, I had a conversation and I said, you know, um, I hear what you're saying. And of course they get big eyes like, oh, he understands us. They keep forgetting. <laughs> and I said, but I said, but listen, you guys love, you guys love baseball. And you know how, when you're out just practicing and you're on the field and it's a blue sky. And then all of a sudden off in the distance, you hear thunder. And then you see a bolt of lightning, but there's still no clouds to be seen. And that's kind of what I want the cigar to be. I want it to be a surprise, you know, unexpected, beautiful day. All of a sudden you get hit with thunder and lightning. Um, And so they still weren't convinced, went back to the rolling table. The very first one I rolled, which is very unique. I loved it. Like usually it's you're changing ratios. You're trying to get it right. But the first one I did the bunching. I'm still not good at wrapping cigars. I I can't put a wrapper on to save my life. It's too artistic, but I can bunch tobacco all day long. Um, and I liked it. I said, you know, make a couple hundred of them. I'll take them back. We test everything in a six by 50, which is probably unusual. Most people test in a Corona, but, uh, six by 50 is what we've done from the beginning. So I brought him back. I said, I want to come out with this in a 52 by six, a little bit larger ring gauge. They still weren't convinced. And that cigar to this day is still our bestseller. Wow. And now when I go back to the factory on the floor, all the guys on the rolling tables are smoking the sun country. They love it. They're like, it's just a great freaking cigar. So you so, knew what you were doing. Yeah. So that's the the fourth line. And then the fifth line was our second anniversary stick, the second wind. It's a box press. Um, and it's double the hair on the core as well. Dominican filler and binder, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Um, and we didn't set out to make a box press. But one of the things we do after we have a blend is we test different Vitolas just to see where the blend works the best. Mm-hmm. And that blend worked really well in a box press. Uh, so we came out with a Robusto and a Toro in that one. Uh, and then the most recent release in September was the Avalanche, which was a two year process to come up with a mild cigar that I would enjoy. Uh, <laughs> and so it's really not truly mild, but it's got some flavor to it. OK, well, perfect. And then. um for folks that are interested in trying your cigars, um, do you have a store locator on your website, or where can where can folks find out uh, where they can get uh, Fuerte? Excuse me, I'm choking up Fuerte Libre cigars. Don't don't start crying on me. No 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 no, I just slight little. <laughs> so yeah, so there is a retail store locator. Okay. 
Um, I initially started uh, trying, I didn't want to be pegged as an East Coast brand, so I've got stores kind of all over the country, but they're spread out. You know, 80 stores across the country as big as the U.S., they're everywhere, right? Yeah. But there are a couple stores that are designated on the website as having a web presence. Okay. Uh, one, one of them is underground in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, a nice low-tax state. Uh, and then also in Virginia, my home shops are Tobacology, so they have a website as well. So those are probably the two easiest ones. You don't have to talk to anybody. You just pop on their website, order cigars. You're good to go if there's not one close to you. No, that's great. And that's two uh, online retailers that are brick and mortars. So for those of you out there who maybe are a little hesitant to go with the online guys and you want to support a brick and mortar, that's two brick and mortar options that you have to try these cigars. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I'm not, I don't have any intention. I don't think anyone has any intention of going to one of the big catalog shops. Yeah. You know, when you start, I want to support my brick and mortar shops. I don't sell my cigars retail because I don't want to compete with them. Um, and you know, everyone that's given me a chance, I, I just won't forget that. Fantastic. Well, and that's important because it goes back to, you know, what you were saying about it being a relationship industry, you know, the shop owners pay attention when, um, these brands go online or, um, maybe, uh, start forgetting those that brought them to the dance in while they're chasing the, uh, the shinier object up the way, you know, that kind of thing. So no, that's really good to hear. So. I am, uh, I'm smoking the hell out of this thing. Um, it's, uh, it's a very good cigar. Like you said, at about the medium or uh, midway point, um, the, uh, the, the intensity, the boldness of the cigar is picked up. Um, and, uh, it's been really great. I have done a couple of different retro hails and the, the, the strength on the retro hail continues for those of you who, uh, like to see me, uh, uh, cough and whatnot. I have been muting myself. I don't know, um. I assume it's doing it. Um, I've been muting myself, though, because uh, I do have some wind coming through here, and I don't want that to pick up on the mic and, you know, screw with the Zoom audio and everything. But th the reason I bring that up is that the burn line on this thing is, like, razor tight, and that's with sitting in a wind tunnel. So I'm very impressed with the construction of this cigar. It's been a nice little smokestack. The draw on it's really, really great. And I've been really, really impressed with the Sun Country. Yeah, and that's a testament to the factory. Um, you know, I picked a really small factory with purpose. I wanted to have more influence. Um, and I wanted to grow with somebody. You know, my dad uh, taught me in business, you know, you want to find partners that are your peers. You don't want to be a small fish in a big pond. And, uh, you know, I took that lesson to heart. I don't do business with anyone I haven't met. You know, I, whenever I go to the DR, which is a couple, three times a year, I visit the box factory. I visit the printing company that does our bands. I go to the farm, uh, you know, pick tobacco. I work every position. I want everyone to know that I'm, I'm personally invested, that this really is a passion. It's not just some rich American guy that wanted to start a cigar brand because I'm far from that. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Now, um, one other quick question about the, uh, the lineup. Um, what is kind of like MSRP on these cigars? So for the first time in four years, we raised our prices on June the 1st. Um, and depending on your state, because obviously OTP yeah. you know, plays a role, our, our cigar, the Corona is probably the least expensive cigar at about $8.50 or $9. Uh, the most expensive cigar we have is a Midnight Bender Gordo, and that's going to run around 14 depending on your state's OTP tax. So very reasonable for very. a Dominican cigar. Yeah. And, and the value we add is similar to Pratello in that there, are, there aren't a lot of Dominican boutiques. You know, there's a lot of small companies, um, Caldwell as an example, 
that does cigars in the Dominican, but they also do cigars in Nicaragua. So you've got a lot of these combo operations. Uh, and Fratello also is getting some cigars now made in Nicaragua. But it's 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 very unique to have a, a boutique brand that's Dominican. And if you look in most boutique friendly humidors, the majority of their product is Nicaraguan. So what we offer, our value add is, you know, now you've got a Dominican that's a boutique brand and you can get the flavors of that Dominican tobacco, that floral and field that's just so critical to the experience. Fantastic. I like it. Well, why don't we now go ahead and get into some of the, uh, the fun little segments here and we'll start off with this one. We all need to live united, but one must go. Brought to you by United Cigars, makers of La Giana Havana, Abuelo, Red Anchor, Firecracker, and of course, United Cigars. Distributors of Jose Dominguez, Garofalo, Montoza, and Terra Nova, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and Bandolero. Buy United, Smoke United, Live United, United Cigars. So this is the point where I'm going to pitch out a few things, and uh, we're going to pick uh, which one must go. And I, you know, I, I, I've been debating back and forth about whether or not I want to go, you know, this direction. But uh, why not? You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I like putting putting people on the spot a little bit. So I notice that, um, and to be honest, I, I have a, I, I, this is going to be a layup. So. I was going to do three uh, options here. I was going to give you uh, Connecticut, Habano, and Maduro, and which one must go. But I know which one must go. Although, <laughs> although I will say this Sun Country has definitely proven that you can take Connecticut wrapper and make a fantastic, you know, medium-bodied, you know, full-flavored cigar out of it. So, um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Maybe I ought to leave that in. But um, I, you know, if I leave that in. If you want to leave that in, fine. But otherwise, uh, I would say Habano or Maduro. Which one? Which one must go? Wow. I, I mean, they both do different things for me. I, I'll say Habano because that's the gut feeling that I would prefer to smoke a Maduro. Uh, but it really depends on what I'm what I'm drinking, what the environment is, what what cigar of the day it is. You know. Yeah. I, I used to think that I wouldn't smoke a Maduro in the morning with coffee, but it actually works really well with a lighter coffee that's higher in caffeine. So, you know, not a dark roast, but a lighter roast and the, and the midnight bender, great combo. So I, I find myself smoking probably these days more Connecticut because I love the sun country Mm -hmm. goes well with a low proof bourbon and the avalanche because it's new, you know, so I find myself smoking that in lounges because I'm trying to introduce them to the new cigar. And of course, you know, people see you smoking something, that's what they want to get. So yeah, but but in the end, you know, I would keep Maduro and I would, you know, if I had to pick a Maduro right now, I mean, I love San Andres. I love what it does to the Dominican tobacco I'm, because I'm not trying to create something that punch you in the face necessarily, but it adds a lot of earthiness to it that I just really enjoy. You've definitely got me in a different mindset here with the Sun Country. Normally, I would also say... I, or I would say the Connecticut has to go just because, you know, I tend to be more of a medium to full-bodied smoker. And I, I'm all in on, you know, Sun Grown and Habano and that kind of thing. I, I, that is my, like, wheelhouse for the most part. Um, but I will say the, this, this Sun Country is, is, is definitely hitting right. I mean, there's, I have, um, 
very few Connecticut cigars that I that I recommend. Um, there's a handful, and uh, I you know I gotta give it to Trey Mac. He was right. This is a really good Connecticut cigar, and uh, there's a lot going on with it. So, I you know. If it's one of those questions where it all depends on when you ask, what what day and what time you ask, and everything like that. But smoking this, if I had gun to my head and I had to pick right now, I'd probably get rid of Maduro, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I'm smoking this Corojo Reserva. Yeah, and I'm also drinking Angel's Envy uh, Port Finish, and I I can I'm really enjoying the cigar. But the port finish Angel's Envy, which has a lot of subtle nuance to it, is completely lost, completely overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, so so I probably wouldn't do this combo again, but I'm I'm just trying to finish this bottle off and this is a great cigar. So <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna, you know, say that those are the kinds of things that influence it. I'm I'm not everyone wants to know the pairings and I always try to put those in there because it, it is kind of important to me, but I'm not a pairing snob in the sense that it, you have to pick what you're trying to enjoy. If I'm trying to enjoy the angels envy an avalanche would be a great pairing with that. Yeah. Okay. But, but if you're trying to enjoy the cigar, you know, then the angels envy is great because it's going to hide behind this because it's such a subtle nuanced flavor. You all I'm really tasting is, you know, a little bit of the sweetness of that Angel's Envy, but it's mostly all about the meat and the cigar. I mean, this thing is, is hearty. It is a very hearty cigar. All right. Well, that has been the United Cigars One Must Go. The One Must Go segment was brought to you by United Cigars. United we smoke. All right, guys. And this is the point in the podcast where I have to switch the buttons on the board. So for those of you who are listening on the audio side, uh, if you check out the video, there's going to be a little exclusive uh, content here uh, until I get the button switched over. And for those of you on the video side, you're about to get a little bonus. So uh, on the audio side, we'll be right back with uh, more from Greg. And we are back with Greg Free of Fuerte y Libre. And, uh, boy, I almost did a really bad Freudian slip there, if you caught that. Uh, anyway, um, too much other talk. Anyway, so why don't we now get into the Villiger Cigars Entertainment Report. And I don't have – I still – I it's, it's on me. I got to make something. I need a fancy little drop for that. But uh, Villiger Cigars, guys, they have been big overseas for a long time, and they're, they've been breaking into the uh, U.S. market with their um, quality cigars. And, you know, if you haven't tried them, I don't know what you're waiting for. They have a store locator on their website. They've got some really great cigars that are uh, going to be premiering at PCA. The uh, uh, Villager de Nicaragua that came out earlier this year, fantastic cigar, and I'm a big fan of the La Libertad. So do my friend Renee a, a solid and look up where you can get Villager cigars and get some because you're going to like them. So, Greg, this is the point in the show where we discuss um, basically entertainment stuff. People, uh, my listeners like recommendations because you know how it is. You're sitting out on your patio. Maybe you've got your iPad or something like that, and you're watching something on one of the streaming services, you know, TV, movies, whatever. Um, if there's a particular podcast that you've been listening to that's caught your attention or, you know, something or a book you've read that you think is interesting, it's just an opportunity for us to give some recommendations to the listeners. So, um you got anything that that's been entertaining you here lately? So I've, I've got a couple of uh, interesting movies that I've I've uh, referred to a couple of friends that uh, wanted to know what I was smoking when I when I watched them and really enjoyed them. Yeah, uh, those those two movies are Midsummer, 
Uh, it's a it's a movie about a cult that's in northern Europe. I don't know. If, I can't remember if it's Norway or Sweden. Famous director that's won a lot of world uh, world movie awards. I don't know what category they're in, but uh, Midsommar is just it's a very it's a movie that has so many Easter eggs hidden in it that you have to watch it twice. OK, but it's but it's a little disturbing. Okay. So, great. It's about two and a half hours long. It'll race by. It happens all so fast. The beginning's a little bit slow as they're developing characters, and then it just takes off. But it's it's got some it's got some it's not a horror movie, but it's got some cultish stuff in it. Um, another one that's similar is Parasite, which is a Korean director that also has done some amazing stuff. And Parasite is about uh, it's not about a disease. It's about the people that support the rich people in South Korea. Uh, and I guess the word parasite is a reference to them feeding off of the money that the rich people can provide. And that's also got some crazy twists in it. Did that win an Oscar? I think it did. I feel like that may have won like Best Picture or something like like a big, like a fairly big Academy Award. Yeah. So, yeah, Parasite's a pretty cool one. And uh, The Glass Onion. I, watched I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Knives Out Glass Onion. That yes. was a fun. That was just a lot of fun. So those are probably the three movies. Um, I have a couple different friend groups, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a cigar lounge in my house. Mm. Uh, so one friend group and I have been watching, rewatching uh, Boardwalk Empire. Love that and show. Then the, yeah. Then the other friend group was rewatching Sopranos. Okay, so The Sopranos <laughs> is without a doubt my top favorite show of all time. I feel like mm-hmm. the writing on that show is just spectacular. The acting on that show is spectacular. I mean, I hate. Uh, Livia, his mother. I hate Janice, the sister. But the fact that I I have a visceral hatred of both of those characters just goes to show how great of a job both those actresses did in their roles. And, um, you know, seasons one, two, and three, and the latter half of season six is probably the best TV I think that's been put out. Um, Four, five, and the first half of six, um, not quite as strong as those other seasons, but still i i would rank it higher than any other show that i've seen yeah and then of course i was i'm not of course but i was a big game of thrones guy you know i've I've, whenever i've traveled to other countries i always visit game of Thrones uh film sites like that's i'm a big uh, nerd when it comes to that so that's another another big one that's not one i ever got into and it's and it's not because i you know have i tried and i didn't like it or whatever i actually just i i missed the boat when it started and then I started hearing about it, and by that point, I was going to get into it. And then um, the final season came out, and um, the uh, final season seemed to prove a little controversial. And kind of the way it ended, I think, kind of split the fan base a little bit. And I tend to, when a show ends in, when it doesn't completely stick the landing, it kind of makes me, not hesitant, but... I'm not quite as quick to get to it. Like I've never watched Dexter, for example, because I've heard how horribly that show ended. And it's kind of one of those, well, well, why do I want to invest all this time if it ends poorly? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then recently I finished watching uh, The Man in the High Castle. Now that's one that's on my list that I really do want to watch. It's really intriguing. The, the, the whole, just the concept of it where, you know, Japan and Germany win World War II and they take over the U.S. and Germany gets two thirds, and then Japan gets the west side a third of it, and then there's a demark or a demilitarized zone in the middle. Just a really interesting character development, um, and that one had a 
That one had a good ending. Okay. Well, like Game, of, Game of Thrones just fell apart. They rushed it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that the author still hasn't come out with the last book. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, come on, man. You've had plenty of time, but I don't know. Whatever. I haven't written a book, so I guess I can't, you know, judge him too harshly. Um, yeah. And then and then books, you know, I was in uh, management and government contracting for a long time. And uh, my my biggest mentor was a former Navy admiral. Uh, Jerry Tuttle was his name. He's since passed away. Great guy. Uh, so I read a book on management called It's Your Ship. He didn't write it, but it was written by a Navy captain. And it's a great philosophy of leadership versus management, even though it's it's called a management book. Uh, but in the military, it's really about leadership, inspiring people to want to do the things that you want to get done as opposed to telling them how to do it. Okay. You know, give them the tools. It's just, a, it, and it's a short read. It's a nice short read. And then I recently read a book called The Sovereign Individual, which was written in 1997. And it's basically, it's a book telling you kind of how to deal with the changes that are going to occur in the financial world and how to survive them. Now, it was written in 1997. And the cool thing about the book is these two writers called so many things that happened. Like cryptocurrency didn't exist then, Yeah, but they were talking about it. Interesting. It's a really interesting, actually, it's sitting next to me because I literally just finished it. But great book. Uh, these two guys wrote another book before this one that I'm going to read next. Um, and they're, uh, they're kind of, uh, I would call them financial historians. Okay. It's really interesting kind of what they called in 1997 and, and it's a little bit longer read, but a good book. Okay. Um, I just recently finished, um, the, uh, final season of succession on HBO. I haven't seen it. I've heard that's good. It, uh, have you seen any of it or. Yeah, none okay. Of it. So, I think they stuck the landing. I I was imp- I was happy with the last episode. The final season, I feel like there were some definite peaks and valleys, um, but the last episode I thought was really solid. And to be honest, the first three seasons were really really good. I mean, it's one of those shows where when I first started watching it, the uh, first few episodes I had to really drag my way through them. Um, not because they were boring, but because all the characters were so just reprehensible and unlikable. And, you know, you're watching this and you're like, I don't want to root for any of these people. They're all just horrible people. And after a while, though, you kind of get sucked into that drama. And before long, you're, you know, marathoning the show and burning through it. So um, and then favorites kind of pop up and whatever. But no, I, I did like the ending of uh, Succession. I'm uh, getting ready to start the uh, second season of The Righteous Gemstones because the third season of that just started <clears throat> on Sunday. And I don't know if you've yeah. watched the, any of that at I all. Yep. I, the first season is just phenomenal. I love that show so much. He's a brilliant writer and actor. I mean, he he wrote that, but also East Eastbound and Down. Yes, wrote. yes. And starting that, that was amazing. Yep. I'm watching Yellowstone. I think I'm going to be disappointed with the second half of the last season, but I've been watching all the offshoots of that, um, and that show is pretty impressive. Okay. I, that's one that's on my list that I haven't gotten to. I hear good things about. Um, I guess there's some drama going on right now between uh, Taylor Sheridan and uh, Kevin Costner, so I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how that's going to impact the show. But um, Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Costner's out, and the God, what's that actor's name? The guy that does the Lincoln commercials? Oh, like, um, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he's going to be doing an offshoot as the follow-up to Yellowstone. Yeah, okay. so so Costner's out because he got 
one of the people in the production crew pregnant. <laughs> and that's also why he's getting a divorce. So he's, I think he, de- yeah, he declared that he was going to leave the show, I think, to try to save the marriage. But I think, you know, after the whole pregnancy, that's kind of, kind of over. Yeah, that, that tends to tank things pretty quick. Um, yeah. And yeah, then, it's, one uh, thing it's another thing when you got to pay child support. Yeah, no shit, man. <laughs> it's like you don't want a second family. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, movie wise, I haven't really had much time, although I did. Uh, I'm a bit of a nerd, and so I did go and see the Flash movie. Um, eh, it, it was what I expected. Um, I'll leave it at that. It was. It, 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 for those nerds in my audience, if you haven't seen it yet, wait for streaming. It wasn't anything to pay my right. theater price for. And um, book-wise, um, I haven't really read anything super uh, recently. Well, I, should, I take that back. I reread a book um, very recently, a very short book. It's called Creativity, and it's by uh, John Cleese, and it's uh, Monty Python, and it's basically just John Cleese telling teaching you um how to hone your personal creativity he said you know everybody says that you know that uh you have to be you know be creative and uh you know some people are born with it and some people aren't and he's like that's not true he said it's a skill and you you hone it and he kind of talks about different things that creative people do that um you know if you want to hone your creativity you have to you have to make time for it. And one of the things that he teaches us in this book is that as adults, if you want to hone your creativity, set aside time to play. He said, "Kids, they play. They do. They they, they and they're super creative in their play." He said, "As an adult, turn off all your devices. Tell people I'm not available from this time to this time, and make time in your week to just play." And he said, you'll, you'll get so much out of that and amongst other things. But anyway, it's also a very short read. It's a little, little book and, um, relatively big, big font size in the book as well. But, um, so, I mean, you can burn through it in an hour, two hours if you're a quick reader. And, uh, it's, it's a great little, little, little handy guide from somebody who has proven his creativity to, uh, how you can hone your own. So that's, uh. That's what I've been doing. So I'll check that out. All right. Well, why don't we now go ahead and do this? Guess what, motherfucker? It's time for three cigars we smoked and enjoyed this week. And I believe this is the segment where Trey Mac brought up Fuerte y Libre. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I just really enjoyed that Aladino Corojo Reserva. <laughs> All right. Um, I enjoyed the uh, Leaf by Oscar. In the Sumatra wrapper. Okay. And it, it wasn't quite a a Lancero. I guess it was maybe a Lonsdale, but it was a skinnier Lonsdale. Okay. And I, I smoked that last night. And I just, I really enjoy that leaf by Oscar. And it used to just be the fact that it's wrapped in a leaf and it's kind of cool. And mm-hmm. I'd always take the leaf off and fold it into a coaster and use it. And <laughs> I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm the bee's knees. This is years ago before I had a brand. But but those cigars are just really well made. Just they really fantastic are. cigars. And then uh, probably my my most memorable cigar, and it's because my son and I were sitting here in my lounge, and I had gotten a box of these, <clears throat> and it's called uh, the Twelve Honest Men by Crown Heads. Okay. It's a Lancero, and twelve of them come in a box. And I, I was sitting here and smoked the first two. My son smoked one, I smoked one, 
And I had on a Pandora station that was actually Zach Brown Band Radio. <laughs> but, I, but I had put a couple other artists to tie in with it. And a song came on that I had never heard, or if I had heard it, I never remembered it. And it's called, I think it's called Cocaine by uh, uh, old country singer, John, maybe Johnny Cash. Okay. And in that song, he talks about, because Jericho Hill is the line, he talks about being on Jericho Hill and trying to find 12 honest men to try him for this trial. And the song came on while we're smoking 12 Honest Men. So now whenever my son and I get together, and I, and I love a good Lancera, I would love to be able to create one. I'm, I've been trying to work on it for years, haven't come out with one that's going to make sense. But uh, I like a Lancera. I like the rapper influence. I like the, just the burn style of it and the flavors. And so, yeah, 12 Honest Men by Crown Heads. I think they're very hard to find, so I probably shouldn't have mentioned that one. I mean, you know, hey, you found it, you smoked it, you liked it. That's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, my first one is... Uh, one, I was able to uh, sneak away briefly uh, while my son took a nap on Saturday after we uh, spent some time at the uh, at the pool. And uh, I got to sit outside and I fired up a uh, Perdomo 20th anniversary uh, Sun Grown. Um, it's one of those things where when I, uh, when I don't have much time and I know I can get a cigar in, I, I tend to default to one that I know well. Because I know it's one I don't want to I don't want to start one that um, I want to think about or concentrate on. I just want just I just want that smoke, you know, and mm-hmm. that's just one of those cigars that I go to fairly uh, regularly. Um, the uh, second one that I want to mention is uh, one that is a new one to me that I did try. And I really enjoyed, um, and that is the Allegiance uh, from uh, EP Carrillo. Um, it's the one with the uh, the green band, the the mm-hmm. newer one with the green band. And while I really did enjoy it, I do think I like the Pledge a little more. But uh, but the Allegiance was a really good addition to that little family of cigars that he's created with the Encore and the Pledge and the uh, La Historia and and now the Allegiance. Yeah, he's a great guy too. I I, I met him personally and, and hung out with him for an hour by accident. Oh wow! Just, <laughs> I'll tell you the story really quick. So I was at Cigar Fest. This is probably seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And I I got my room key and I checked into my room and and in the room there was somebody else's stuff there. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is crazy. And so uh, get a knock, loud knock on the door, and it's uh, Ernesto. And he's like, he's like, what are you doing in my room? And I'm like, uh, they uh, gave me the keys. And his key wasn't working. That's why he had the knock on the door. So they canceled oh. his keys, gave me keys, gave me his room. And he's like, he's like, I'll just get another room. And I'm like, Ernesto, we're here to see you. Like, I'm not going to take your room. Yeah. Let me go to the front desk and get another room. And they, these were condos. It was in a condo building. Yeah. And and so we, we hung out with him until they came up and gave me keys to another room and reactivated his keys and. We had a good joke at the event the next day. He said he uh, he charged a bunch of stuff to my credit card. So it was, <laughs> but just him and him and his son and daughter. I've met them both a couple times. Just a great family, and you know, so happy to be part of an industry with great people. For sure. So, um, so what you can say is that for a hot, for an hour or so, you and uh, Ernesto were roommates. Yeah, we were. We were roommates. There we literally go. hung out together. <laughs> there you go. Um, and my last one is. Uh, one that uh, I fired up uh, the other day while I was um, laying out my newspaper, and it was uh, the Yagua by uh, J.C. Newman. 
And I picked up a box of those uh, not the last time they were released, but I think the time before. And I've just kind of been spacing them out, you know, as I go. And every once in a while, it's just a nice different different smoke. And, uh, boy, that's a cigar that if you don't get Hayride and Barnyard off of, uh, when you're smoking it, I don't, then then you got to check your palate because that's that's what that cigar is. But um, I like the uh, unique um, kind of shapes that it comes in, depending upon where it was wrapped in that palm leaf that they put it in the box, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's yeah. Been, I think, uh, oh, go yeah. Ahead. You and I, you and I are my own worst customer because I smoke across the board. Yeah. You know, when I'm wearing my shirt, I try to smoke a Fuerte Libre. You know, I smoked an Aladino tonight because I was watching their show earlier and I was finishing that up. And that's a great cigar. But when I'm in my lounge, you know, I'll smoke everything, you know. And, and now, as I own a brand, I, I call it research and I write it off. There you go. But, but, but I still, you know, I enjoy there's so much passion that's happening in this industry and so many great things that are occurring. I mean, like the Aladino Corojo not to you know keep blowing smoke in their direction, but they grow their own Corojo on their farm, and it's very unique. It is. It's a, it's a very unique product. It doesn't taste like any other Corojo. I tried to come out with a Corojo wrap cigar. Yeah. The wrapper tastes completely different. It's, yeah. it's so, so they're doing some really exciting stuff, and that's what's cool. There's so many neat things happening. You mentioned the uh, Libertad. And that's another great cigar that's just got a very unique, it's a unique smoking experience, and I really enjoy it. For sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I don't understand these brand owners that um, will say, oh, I only smoke my own stuff. Because first of all, come on, you know that you're not only smoking your own stuff. I mean, I get it. You want to promote your stuff, and I understand. Um, but, uh, you know, I, like you said, there's so many great things happening in the industry and it's not that you're smoking to like oh i want to find out what what he's doing over there so that we can copy it or something like that it's just you know if you're really into cigars why not branch out and try something else every once in a while yeah i mean and i could get you know aladino i'm sure would would blend a cigar for me and i could have a cigar from their factory i mean that's that's the other great thing about you know being a small brand owner is there are so many factories that will work with you to kind of express their vision within your brand, you know, for sure. Uh, and it's, it's, that's, what's so cool about it. You know, I can smoke an Aladino and really enjoy that Corojo. And I'm sure when I get to a point when I'm, when I want to come out with one that I'll enjoy, I will probably, you know, work with them to try to develop something. For me. I mean, they're the Corojo King. So you, you might yes, as well go to the best if you're going to do it. Um, yeah. I have to give up the ghost on this uh, this sun country here. I am down to the absolute nub here, and it is <laughs> at the point now that I am uh, going to be scorching fingertips and lips. So I'm going to have to let that go. But that has I, I just want to say, as somebody who does not smoke Connecticut cigars on the regular, um, the Aladino Corojo being one that I do enjoy, or um, um, Connecticut, uh, the Aladino Connecticut being one that I enjoy. Um, I like the uh, the My Father Connecticut because at the final third of that, that you hit the tips and it like all of a sudden kind of ramps up and it goes from like a creamy, nutty, smooth cigar to you get that burst of uh, spice and flavor. And um, I do enjoy the uh, Perdomo uh, Champagne, but I'll tell you what, man, the Sun Country there just knocked it out of the park as a uh, really good, flavorful, but medium-bodied Connecticut cigar. I really enjoyed that. 
Glad you liked it. Thank you very much. Yeah. So now, why don't we hear about one of our other sponsors, My Monthly Cigars. This would normally be the time that I give some information about My Monthly Cigars, but I've hired that out this week, so take it away. My Monthly Cigars is a premium cigar subscription service. It comes in a variety of different size boxes at affordable prices. Use offer code PULPIT and get free shipping on your first box and 20% off any items in the online store at MyMonthlyCigars.com. That's offer code PULPIT. Thanks! And guys, while you're over there at MyMonthlyCigars.com, check out the fucking good coffee. He's got a variety of different flavors, including the Daily Press, which is the uh, cigar pulpit blend. And then, uh, obviously, the Lounge Blend is a very uh, popular choice as well. But uh, he's got a, di- a bunch of different coffee types for all the different, uh, you know, flavor profiles that you might want in your coffee. And they pair very well with cigars. So, Greg... I really want to thank you for taking time out of your evening to join us today. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that maybe you want to uh, share with my listeners? Um, the only thing I'd like to sh- – well, there's two things I'd like to share. One, there's a paddle behind me that says The Crawl. And what, over here. Uh, the there crawl. it is, yeah. So I was at, a, at an event called The Crawl, which I'd never been to before. It's been going on for, I think, 23 years, maybe 24 years in Pittsburgh. And instead of a bar crawl, they do a cigar crawl where they get a bus with 50 people on it and they go from shop to shop to shop in Pittsburgh. Wow. And I had never heard of it, so I thought I'd throw it out there. You know, I'm sure there are some people that would think that's cool. And it really was just a great time. And a lot of people have been on 19 or 20 of these bus rides. And so there's usually a couple different cigar brand sponsors there. Um, Of course, I was one of them this year. Um, and you get to visit some, I got to see Island Gym for the first time at, uh, Leaf and Bean downtown Pittsburgh, but visit a lot of really cool shops, meet a lot of really cool people. So that's one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, and I won that in a raffle. So that's pretty cool with everyone's signatures on it. That is neat. Uh, and then the second thing is, you know, I mentioned earlier that I know about, I feel like I know about 40% of what I need to know to be in the cigar industry. And I learn new stuff every time I go to the DR, every time I go to a new shop. And one of the things I learned, and this was at La Aurora factory, there's a, a uh, tour guide there named Eugenio, who's very boisterous uh, and has a great personality. The tours are like three hours, but you never feel like you want to get out of it. Like he's just a really cool guy. He knows everybody in the factory. And he had my very first trip there. He had me light a cigar. Uh, he, he said, you know how to light a cigar? I'm like, yeah, I know how to light a cigar. I've been, light, been smoking cigars for 20 years. He goes, well, go ahead and light it. So I lit my cigar and he goes, well, you missed a step. Like I got the whole thing lit. And I'm like, well, I warmed the foot and I pulled it up and I lit it and then I blew on it and I did everything I, I thought I had to do. Yeah. And, and he said, uh, he said, do you notice how when you're smoking a cigar, you get little bits of tobacco on your tongue? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, that's the step you missed. And I said, well, how do I stop getting little bits of cigar on my tongue? And he goes, well, right after you cut it, you take the cut end and you tap it in the palm of your hand. Okay. And you'll see those little bits of tobacco go in your palm. Yeah. And so then when you smoke the cigar, you no longer have those little bits of tobacco on your tongue because you tap them out on your hand and you'll literally see them every time you cut a cigar, you'll tap it and you'll see some of those little pieces that would have wound up on your tongue or on your teeth, you know, and you're trying to smile and you got bits of tobacco. Yeah. So that's, 
that's the lesson I would like to teach uh, your crowd. I'm sure some of them have heard of that, but Eugenio taught me that, and it's changed my world. Well, it's new to me, and I'm going to start doing that because, yeah, every once in a while you get that, and it's just like, Bleh, you know? So, no, yeah. that's great. That's a nice little helpful tidbit there. I appreciate it. Yeah. So now everyone can know 51% of what they thought they needed to know. There you go. Perfect. Well, Greg, uh, where can everybody follow you on social media? Well, today I'm on uh, Fuerte Libre No Spaces on Instagram. I'm on Fuerte Libre No Spaces on Facebook. Uh, my website is FYLCigars.com. Um, and uh, a lot of that will have to change a little bit over time. But if you're already a follower at FuerteLibre.com, I'll just change the name to whatever the new brand name is, and you'll be able to follow me there. I'm uh it's interesting. I'm really excited to get to 3,000 followers on Instagram. I don't know if that's a big number or a small number, but for me, it's big. It's bigger than it ever was. There and I'm, you at, go. I think I'm at 2949 uh, this morning. Oh, yeah. So, you can pull that off. Yeah. So if we can just get, if we can get me up to 3,000, that would be fantastic. And uh, I, I post one post a day. I'm not one of those aggressive posters. I'll put a few more things in my story as, you know, people post my cigars. I'll share them in my story. But, you know, one post a day. I do a couple reels, you know, one every, once every third or fourth uh, post will be a reel. So you can see, see me do something silly or stupid and, uh, you know, follow, follow the journey. You'll, you can find my events there. You can see where I'm going to be next. Um, I'm sure I'll be posting from PCA as well. There you go. And guys, you can follow us on, uh, Instagram at the cigar pulpit. You can, uh, join the, uh, pulpit parishioners group on facebook we do all kinds of fun stuff in there everybody's sharing cigars and you know generally busting my balls um then uh over on twitter i don't really do a whole lot but you can follow me on twitter there i do contend that uh twitter's probably going to be the last refuge of the damned for uh cigar people if uh facebook and instagram decide to ban uh cigar uh content on there assuming that uh twitter does uphold the uh free speech platform that they've been uh promoting um you can watch this on youtube on our channel and then uh guys coming up here soon we are going to be doing the ask the boys episode for this month so make sure you get your calls in so that uh you can get your questions answered so call the hotline at area code 863-874-0000 mr jonathan from the cigar authority and two guys smoke shop will be joining me on that episode we may even have a second uh, guest on that as well so there might be three of us uh, trying to lock that down but um, you know it's at least going to be myself and Mr. Jonathan so if you have legitimate cigar questions you know there'll be somebody that actually can answer them for you on there as well as me to answer all of the ignorant questions that you guys always call in with and uh, you know ask me about so anyway that's area code 863 874 0000 Greg again Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to uh, to join us. And, guys, if you have not tried Fuerte y Libre, Fuerte y Libre, Fuerte y Libre, you got to get in on it because I'm telling you what, the Sun Country was a fantastic cigar, and I'm looking forward to trying the other ones that you sent me, which it looks like it was the Avalanche. And uh, real quick, what is uh, – what is this? This is the box pressed one. Yeah, Segundo Viento. It's actually what I'm smoking now. Okay. So that's the double Lajero in the core, but it smokes like a true medium. The Lajero we're using, Dominican uh, Palado Cubano Lajero, is not that crazy punch you in the face Lajero you'll get from Nicaragua. 
uh, or even in the LFD double aero, but we're really just using it to lift up that inherently mild tobacco to a nice medium smoking experience. And if you like a box press, you know, it's, it's just a great expression, especially in the Robusto. Perfect. Well, I'm looking forward to trying both of those. So, Greg, thank you so much for taking time out. And, uh, guys, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm Nick. I'm Greg. Everybody stay safe and stay smoky. <laughs>